Miles always liked all superheroes, but he always kind of comes back to Batman. Natalie called scream crying and said Miles has leukemia. One of his doctors told us that with his disease, they just become like a fighter. They fight for life. And so I think he sees the good versus evil battle in superheroes. We waited until the end of treatment to make his wish. That I want to be the real Batman was his exact wish. Because he's my favorite superhero. How are you going to be the real Batman? When we're going about doing a wish, it is whimsical and thinking about what would wow that child. And gives them a little bit of their childhood back that's been robbed. So we decided to turn San Francisco into Gotham City and have him have these capers. Put a full-size grown-up Batman so that he would have a buddy. One of our volunteers put into Facebook and Twitter and like wildfire, just like it exploded. The postings were from like all over the world. This little boy really struck a nerve. When I saw that face, I want to be a part of that. And everybody wondering, what can I do? There were predictions that we have tens of thousands of people. We have people flying in to experience this. What do we get ourselves into? Well, this may be the feel-good story of the year. A boy's wish about to come true. A young leukemia patient is being given a chance to live out his dream to be a superhero. And I'm like, there's a lot of cops around, and he needs a car seat. You see massive thousands of people. I don't even know how to describe Gotham City needs you, Bat Kid. The story has gone viral with folks from all over the world cheering him on. Every actor that ever played Batman was tweeting, Adam West on line one. Okay, that's normal. Let me out! No! Way to go, Miles. Way to save Gotham. Hey, dancing oh, believe it or not, they're dancing for you. He gave everybody license to just be a little absurd and live their little dreams for a little bit. Batkin! People were holding up signs saying, save us, Batkin. In helping him to live this dream, we were saving ourselves. Well, good morning and welcome to worship. I want to continue to extend the welcome to you, whether you're worshiping with us here in West Des Moines, whether you're worshiping one of our campuses or online. It's so good to be able to come. That video clip that you saw there was a movie trailer uh, to a documentary that came out uh, just about three years ago. It was a documentary called Bat Kid. And it was about the story of Miles Scott. Now, Miles Scott, at five years old, was diagnosed with leukemia. And this organization comes alongside of him, uh, an organization that many of you have had uh, experiences with. Uh, it's Make-A-Wish. Some of you uh, have had direct experiences with it, and some of you have had uh, indirect experiences with it, where you know a young person who has been facing something extraordinarily difficult, and this incredible organization comes along the person who's in the family that's experiencing this and facing this, and they ask the simple question of what can I do? And on the surface, that question can seem very simple. But when you dig into that question, that, that question is incredibly profound, isn't it? When you face anybody that has a need, when you just ask the question, rather than me telling you what I think you need, when I can just simply ask you the question, what can I do? And the the answer that was given was, well, he wanted to be a superhero. And what five-year-old, what six-year-old, what seven-year-old, what 44-year-old doesn't want to be a superhero? And one could say, well, we, we, we can't make you a superhero. Or the people at Make-A-Wish could start to ask people the question to say, hey, we, we have a need. Could you help us to meet it? 
And what happened? You, you saw it there. The response, they hoped at the, the very beginning, they hoped maybe a, a couple hundred people uh, would step up, would step in and, and help to make this dream a reality. And the response was absolutely overwhelming. Tens of thousands of people. They had to like partition off streets in order uh, for, to make uh, traffic be able to continue to go. People grabbed a hold of this. They literally made a portion of San Francisco look like Gotham City. For those of you who don't know, Gotham City is the city where Batman lives. And so they made San Francisco into Gotham City. And I don't know if you heard it. Towards the end of that video uh, clip, you heard the person say that we were there to help help this kid and what we realized is as we were helping him we realized that it was saving us this shouldn't come as a surprise to us this isn't anything new you, you, you and I have been created we've been wired a very very certain way and whether we acknowledge it or not or accept it or not or, or believe in it or not, you and I have been created with this very uh, basic need and this very basic desire and this very basic uh, initiative, in instinct within us to connect to something that's bigger than ourselves. That the goal of life, as counterintuitive as it sounds... The goal of life, as very contrary to sometimes the way in which the world sees the goal of this life, isn't so that I would get everything that I want. We have a lot of practice of this. We, we have a 10-year-old, we have a 9-year-old, and what we have to remind our kids all the time is, hey, the world isn't about you. And we tell that to them, and we remind them of that, and every time I tell my kids, when they're acting the way that kids act, I have to say, hey, the world's not about you. And every time I say that, there's a part of me that says, I wonder if I believe that too. And sometimes I need to say, Jeremy, hey, the, the, the world's not about you. This is the way Jesus puts it time and time again in the Gospels. And I think this verse and, and this, this invitation, this, this invitation that Jesus has for us, I think sometimes we misunderstand it. We, we, we think we, we have this very narrow interpretation of it. But really, this statement of Jesus is literally Jesus saying, hey, I have the keys that's going to unlock the door to allow you to enter into a life that's it's abundant. I mean, that's what Jesus came to do. John chapter 10, verse 10, I came to give you an abundant life. And Jesus is saying to us, when you make life all about you, you miss out on some of the greatest things of life. J Jesus says, if, if you try to hang on to your life, you, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you're going to find your, the fact that you're going to save it. We look at that and we sometimes think, well, well if, if Jesus is saying that, and if Jesus is telling us that, then that means that the only way that we can fulfill what Jesus is saying is that we need to die the same way that Jesus died or give our lives up the same way that Jesus gave his life up. And I just don't know if that's in the cards for me. And sure, there are people over the course of the ages that have done that. But what Jesus is saying, it's much deeper on one level and much more practical on another level. What Jesus is saying is when you live your life as if you're the center of the story and life is all about what you get and what you have and, and, and how people serve you and, and accommodate you, then you find out that it's never enough. I mean, really, what's the limit? 
at what point do you, do you ever get to a place where you say, ha ha, there, I'm finally satisfied. And it's not like the things of the world are, are at fault. My goodness, no. A lot of those things are wonderful things, but they can't satisfy our soul. Jesus says if you cling to those things, and if those things become your chief aim, you're going to end up realizing that you're losing life. But, but if you give up your life for my sake, you're, you're going to end up saving it. You're going to end up finding it. When you look at the world around you and you ask yourself the question of what can I do, n- not out of helplessness, but out of purpose, we end up seeing that we are a part of something that's much bigger than ourselves. That we have the opportunity, we have the, oppor- the, the invitation to literally be the people of, of Jesus in, in this world that are inviting people into something that's far greater than themselves. And so what we're going to talk about today as we enter into this first week of this series that's going to take us to the end of the summer, which feels really crazy that I'm actually saying that. It's August today. That's, I, I don't know about you, but this summer has gone so, I, I lost July. Don't know what happened to it. Seemed like it was about a day ago that it was the beginning of June, and it was like, hey, it's summer, it's going to be fun, and now somehow July's over. It was absolutely crazy, it was wonderful, and now we're in August, and so for the next five weeks, the, the, the month of August, and then the first weekend of, of September, Labor Day weekend, we're going to look at this, this idea of what are the positive megatrends in the 21st century church. Put more simply, what does the church look like what, what, what's the church need to be as it exists in the world that surrounds it? How do we answer the questions that the world is asking? So the temptation is for us to answer the questions that we, 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 we want to answer. But I don't know if you've noticed or not that the world is changing. It's not the same that it used to be. And so the church can't be the same either. We, now, the, it's what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He's telling the church in Corinth, he's saying, hey, no matter what your preference is, preferences are great, but they're not the end goal. The end goal is Jesus. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, Here, here's how I made sense of the people that I encountered. The people that I wanted to know that there was a God who loved them, and there was a God who loved them so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And, and Jesus Christ, he, he lived and he died and he was raised from the dead. And in order for me to translate that, that message to the world in which I existed, I made sure that to those who were bound by the law, those people who uh, were of Jewish descent, that followed the, the laws that the Jewish people would, would follow, Paul said, then I lived by the law. I did that in order so that they would know that I could speak their language. To those who weren't of Jewish descent, to those who were Gentiles, who didn't follow that law, I didn't tell them to follow the law. I became, I wasn't bound to the law. To those who were in captivity, I lived as if I was in captivity. To those who were free, I lived as if I was free. In fact, Paul said, I became all things to all people in order that God might save some of them. To be able to speak the language that the world that I live in is, is speaking. And, and it's, what we, it's what we need to do. Because there's some things that aren't going to change. 
I think the temptation is to say, oh, that, you know, church is only good if it's, it's the way that it was when, when I was a kid or if it's the way that, that, that I like it. It's not the, it's not the way that, that, that I like it. It's not, the, it's not the goal. We have a mission. We've been a part of Hope for, for over 25 years. This guides and directs every single thing that we do. We exist to reach out to the world around us and to share the love of Jesus Christ. And sometimes with this mission, we know that the love of Jesus Christ never changes, but it, in order to share the message, it necessitates that we change. We experienced this uh, just over a month ago as a family, and I realized how different my kids' generation is than my generation. We were, were leaving over the, we were leaving, we were driving to visit Bridget's family. They live 600 miles north of us. And so uh, our kids, over the last year, they've just fallen in love with popular music. So there was a time where they listened to the music that we listened to. That's when they listened to good music. And now over the course of the last year, they started to listen to this new music. And I don't know if I should be proud of this or a little embarrassed by it, but the radio stations they listen to now are 102.5, 99.9, and 98.3. And that's what they listen to all the time. And now they sit in the front seat in our cars and their grubby little fingers are always changing the radio station in my car. And I'm like, stop that. Like, Dad, I want to listen to good music. And I'm like, guys, if you want to listen to good music, and some of you are saying, Pastor Jeremy, if you want to listen to good music, well, we were driving, and what, we were about 400 miles north of Des Moines, and our daughter from the back seat says, hey, Dad, turn it to 102.5. And I said, sweetheart, 102.5, where we are right now, isn't the same as 102, in Bemidji, Minnesota, isn't the same as 102.5 in Des Moines. And she looked at me, and she's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's radio stations. And she looked at me and she's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, I said, no, 102.5 isn't the same. She's like, okay, then turn it to 99.9. I'm like, no, sweetheart, you don't understand this. It's not the same. And she's like, well, what do you mean? Then try 98.9. And again, do you don't understand? You don't get this. And I realize that my kids don't know what a radio station is. They live in a time where it's like, Alexa, play the song Driver's License, or Alexa, play this, or Alexa, play that, or Alexa, play that. They don't know what it means when we really had it right, and we actually had to search for our music, and we had to go through things called commercials, and we had to listen to some songs that we didn't love. And there could be the temptation to tell my kids, unless you do it the way, we had to go through things called commercials, and we had to listen to some songs that we didn't love. And there could be the temptation to tell my kids, unless you do it the way that I did, why do we do that with the church? Because it's the temptation, is it? We exist to share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at these trends for the 21st century and how do we be a church that continues to live out our mission, we got to start asking deep questions and realize that we're a church that's filled with hope. We really are. And the hope is found in Jesus Christ. And the hope that's found in Jesus Christ sends us out into a world of, of, of serving the world around us. And the hope that's found in Jesus Christ sends us out into a world of, of, of serving the world around us. It's one of the reasons. That's why we lift it up. That's why it's at the center of, of, of who we are. 
Not to earn God's love, not to prove that we have God's love, but as a response to God's love. I mean, from day one in this church, we asked the question, would this community look different if hope didn't exist? Are we a church that just is filled with people that just come to to have a spiritual experience and, and then we leave it and just keep it to ourselves? Or does the love of Jesus Christ transform us enough or transform us at all to, to, to send us out to share that love to the world around us. And we believe that it does. And so at Hope, we do everything we can to reach out to the world and, and to serve the world around us. We have 41 mission partners at Lutheran Church of Hope. Locally, nationally, and globally. People who exist in areas that have asked the question, what can I do to make the area in which I live a better place? And so they become experts in in what they do. And so we come alongside of those organizations and we partner with them and say, hey, what can we do to help you fulfill the mission that you have? 41 mission partners. That's why we do Lent projects and Advent projects where we'll partner with one of our mission partners and take a big swing at something that they're trying to accomplish. Like we did with Enlace in El Salvador. El Salvador had been hit as hard by the pandemic as any other place in the world. And there was incredible food shortages And so we put it out to you as a church, and we said there are people who don't know where their next meal is going to come from, and we believe that we have a responsibility to try to meet them from, and we believe that we have a responsibility to try to meet the need. That's why we're doing a center. You're going to see two big blue boxes. Because we know that there are kids in our community that are going to go back to school, and they don't have the school supplies that are listed in order for them to go back to school. And studies will show that when kids go back without enough school supplies, that there's something that happens to their psyche where they don't feel as if they're worthy or they don't feel as w- that they count as much as the other students. And we don't think that that's okay. And so as a church, across all of our campuses, and if you're watching online at a distance, you can do this with your own school district. We're going to make sure, we are going to make sure that every student in the Des Moines area goes back to school with a full backpack. And that's not just a kind of a, a like, well, let's see if it can, no, it's going to happen. And so my, my prayer is by next weekend when we come to worship, those bins are going to be absolutely overflowing and we're going to have to put more bins out. And I believe that we can do it because so many of us, who had kids or have kids, we look at that and we're like, oh, just let, let's, let's just fill out the, the thing so that the school, the school supplies are already in their desk when they get there. No, let's make it happen for kids in our community. That's why we do food drives all of the time. We're a church that's filled with hope, and that hope, what well, causes us to respond. It does something inside of us. Where we realize and we recognize that we've been changed, and so we help, and we recognize that we've been changed, and so we help to bring that transformational change to the world around. This parable that's in Matthew chapter 25, the Bible reading that you heard just a few minutes ago, 
Where Jesus tells this parable and he says it's kind of like those people who experience salvation and, and they, they hear the, the, the king that says to him, it's when I was hungry that you gave me something to eat and it was when I was thirsty you gave me something to drink and when I was naked you clothed me and when I was sick you cared for me and when I didn't have a home you housed me. I think sometimes we hear that and we say, well, why would we do it? There's two ditches we can fall into. Sometimes we say, well, why would we do that? Because if there's somebody in need, it's not my problem, it's theirs. When you do that, you make yourself God. On the other hand, you say, well, we do that because we have to do that. Because if we don't do that, it means that we're not Christian. Then that makes service your God. No, Jesus is Lord. And because he's Lord, we follow and we do what he did. And sometimes we need to know the why before we do the what. So last week, my family, we moved out of the house that we had lived in for the last nine years. And so what that means is we just had a lot of junk. Like we have more stuff in our house than we ever thought that we needed in our house. And so we were getting ready. The, the movers were coming. We had all these boxes. Part of the boxes, were gonna, part of the things were going to be taken away. Some of the stuff that we were going to move on our own. And so we had our, our living room was just filled with boxes. And so we had told our kids all week, we're like, hey, guys, when, when the boxes come, you guys have to help. And they're like, oh, great, oh, great, oh, great. That, yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem. Well, then it becomes moving day. And so we told them, are you guys ready to move? And they said, yep, we're ready to move. Are you ready to move? Yep, we're ready to move. What are you going to do? We're going to carry boxes. What are you going to do? We're going to carry boxes. Like we almost made a cheer out of it. And we were, I kid you not, we were two minutes into moving. And my daughter is in the middle of the living room. And she's doing this. She's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, what do you mean you don't want to do this anymore? She's like, this isn't any fun. I said, what do you mean? Who said it was going to be fun? Dad, I don't want to carry boxes anymore. And I said, you have to carry boxes. You want to know what she said? She said, why? So you want to know what I said? Because I said so. You don't get a vote in this. I'm your father. I'm your dad. If I say jump, you just say how high. I didn't know that we all of a sudden had to have a debate about these things. I didn't get to debate with my parents. And my wife said, well, tell, tell her why. I said, because we all of a sudden had to have a debate about these things. I didn't get to debate with my parents. And my wife said, well, tell, tell her why. I said, because... I started to realize because I said so isn't a great motivator. <laughs> but we do it with faith, don't we? We need to live a life of service. And inside we say, why? And we say, well, because they said so. So I finally looked at my daughter and I sat down with her and I said, because I said, no, I didn't. I didn't say that at all. I said, sweetheart, because we're, we're going to move to a different home and you get the opportunity to be a part of making that house a home. And don't you want to be able to be a part of something so amazing? Be a part of making that house a home. And don't you want to be able to be a part of something so amazing? to make this house a home for somebody. And you don't need to be a part of it to earn God's love because he already loves you. But he's been inviting you 
and invites you to love people in a way that will make them feel at home. You've been freed, and it's in your freedom that you get to love and serve. That's what Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 5. He says, for you've been called to live in freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't lose your, use your freedom to, to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. What is truly free? Is truly free to allow myself to be the Lord of my life? Or is to truly free be able to be a part of what God's doing in my life? In my life. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Not because you have to. Martin Luther, who was a great reformer in the church saw that a lot of people were getting the cart in front of the horse. They were saying, if, if, you, if you, 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 the only way that you can prove that you really love Jesus, which is a because I said so kind of statement, is if you like do these things and act this way and give this much. And Luther saw that as not living in freedom at all. So he writes this incredible book. It's called Freedom of the Christian. It was written in the 15th century, so it's a little bit thick. It's a little bit dense. But he, but he says this, and, and, and get, see if you can understand this. It's just so profound. He says, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. It's in our freedom as a Christian that we don't have to do a thing. We can be like my daughter and sit down and say, I don't want to do this. It's in our freedom as a Christian that we don't have to do a thing. We can be like my daughter and sit down and say, I don't want to do this. That's in your freedom that you get to be a part of, of setting people free. One of the most amazing things about this documentary, Back Kid, is, is what breaks out when this happens, when this, when, when this Make-A-Wish took place. This documentary, Back Kid, is is what breaks out when this happens, when this, when, when this make-a-wish took place, is just what we do here. Part of church is what we do here, but the church is God's gathered people. It's God's what we do here. Part of church is what we do here, but the church is God's gathered people. It's God's scas imperfect as they all were, they all came together and they did something absolutely beautiful. So as you watch this next clip, don't think about it as just as Miles' story. Think bigger. See this as a metaphor of the church done right. Church being alive and active, the, the, the positive megatrend in, in the 21st century church of people giving what they have where they have it, giving what they have where they have it, for the sake of the other, take a look. You gotta go train to be Batman. Since we have this circus school in San Francisco, we do his Batman training the day before the event. They said absolutely yes. What we've got is Penguin's obstacle course. What he's done is to rig the ballpark so that the floor is electrified. And if Batman and Bat Kid touch the floor, 
they'll get electrified for sure, and they don't want that. So all of this behind us is going to be what the penguin has put out to give Bad Kid the challenge of his life. So I thought, well, if he's going to get superhero training, shouldn't Miles be training with other superheroes? All of the acrobats who normally train on Thursdays came in dressed as superheroes. Costumes on Hate, the costume shop down the street, uh, very generously loaned us the costumes for free. They were ridiculously awesome. Right as he came in the door, The Flash just sort of walked by, you know, very casually into the main gym. And he stared and he looked up at his mom and he said, that was The Flash. He was just like beside himself. Because we wanted him to just sort of feel like, well, this is just normal, right? That's just what happens here. This is a place where regular people get training to be able to be like beside himself. Because we wanted him to just sort of feel like, well, this is just normal, right? That's just what happens here. This is a place where regular people get training to be able to be transplanted next day to the ballpark so that when he got there and the penguin is scary and there's fire and there's all this stuff, the penguin's evil trap is familiar. While we were giving him his Batman acrobat lesson, he and I got to know each other way better. They didn't tell him I was going to be Batman the next day. And because he had such great energy and it was going so well, at the end of the night, we thought, well, let's see if he wants to fly. You know, he's a superhero. A lot of them fly, right? And believe it or not, this little kid climbed that ladder up to that board and took a swing on the flying trapeze. wasn't one single person on their own that could satisfy that need or grant that wish. So what happened? You had a whole bunch of people that said, hey, I wonder what they could do through me. I wonder if I gave what I have and I gave it to this cause that if people that said, hey, I wonder what they could do through me. I wonder if I gave what I have and I gave it to this cause that if somehow that could help to make that has a lot of needs that none of us can satisfy completely on our own. A lot of needs that none of us can satisfy completely on our own. But maybe as we start to live this, you've been created in the image of God. And if you don't think that you can be used, that's the only time that I will ever argue with you. Because he created you in his image and he thought that you were worthy of being, uh, of, worthy of his life. So you've got something to offer. So I want to give you just three simple questions to be able to figure out how, how to allow God to work through you. The first question is, God, where have you placed me? I think sometimes we think that in order to serve and in order to be uh, somebody who's on mission, that means that we have to uproot ourselves from where we are and we have to move somehow uh, across the world or halfway around the world or, or we have to, to, to leave our jobs. And, and so many people will say to me, Jeremy, God's gotten a hold of my, my heart. God's gotten a hold of my life. And so I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to come and I'm going to work at the church. And my response all the time is, please don't. 
Because the church needs you where you are. What do you call a church that's just filled with a whole bunch of committed people? An asylum. Like we, do, we need to not just be here. We need to be out there. This is what Paul writes in, in, in Romans chapter 12. The entirety of, of the book of Romans, of, of Paul's letter to the church in Rome up until this point, has been about what does it look like to live life in response to God's Holy Spirit. The freedom, the power, the gifts that come through that, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. And as a response to that, Paul gets to this kind of culminating point in Romans chapter 12. And I love the way that Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. If you're trying to figure out how to make sense of this in your own life, here's what God's saying to you. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Think about the story of Miles, where people would say, I'm just an acrobat. Story of Miles, where people would say, I'm just an acrobat. What could I ever do to help a child who, who has leukemia? What could I ever do? Ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, you're going to school, you're hanging out with friends' life, and place it before God as an offering to say, God, I believe that you've placed me here for a reason. And no place that you have me, and no place that I find myself is unable to be used by you. You think about so many of the letters that Paul writes is unable to be used by you. You think about so many of the letters that Paul writes in, in the New Testament. Paul's talking about the people that he encounters while he's in prison. He's saying, yeah, so-and-so that I've been spending my time in prison with, now they came to know Jesus. And so-and-so that I've been with, in prison with, they came to know Jesus. Paul could look at it and say, oh, well, look where I am now. I can't be used at all. This is all worthless, and this is, this is all beyond redemption. No, Paul says, no, if I find myself in prison, I believe that God can use me in prison. I'm going to take my everyday life and I'm going to place it before God and say, God, what could you do through me where I am? Not, it's not just where I am, it's who I am. I am. Not, it's not just where I am, it's who I am. It's what you've given me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and I, I'll be true for you. We live in a culture that's self-deprecating. We live in a culture that, uh, that kind of we, we strip value from ourselves. We, we live in a culture where we see all the things that we aren't. We never really truly see who we are. So I wonder if you could suspend that for just a moment and, and, and hear this truth that God has for you. We are God's masterpiece. What if you gave yourself permission to not think about all the things that you're not and you started to see yourself for who you are? Because who you are is unlike anybody else in this world. There's never been another you on the face of this earth. Never. Never. Who thinks like you, who acts like you, who's able to do the things that you do the way that you do them. If we're God's masterpiece. and He's created us new in Christ Jesus. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You have purpose in your life. Because you have breath in your lungs. You say, God, this is where you have me. And 
And these are the gifts that you've given me. I grew up in a house where my dad was a pastor, one of the greatest communicators I've, I've ever known. And, and he had the opportunity. It would be easy for my mom to say, well, he, he was the one who worked at the church. And it really, for me, I just kind of did my own thing. No, my mom, she has the gift of hospitality. When I was in, in college, and it would be like Christmas break or Thanksgiving break or spring break, I would come home from school, and in my living room would be all of my buddies and my mom. And my friends would call my mom, like, like Benita's my second mom. And my friends would reach out to, to my mom when things weren't going really well for them. And so my mom didn't say, in order to, to, to do the work of Jesus in this world, I have to be a, a preacher like Dave, my, my dad. She said, no, I have the gift of hospitality, so I'm going to be hospitable. And I sometimes wonder how many people experienced God's love and had their heart opened up to the reality of Jesus Christ and, and, and his, his offer of grace because of my mom. You don't have to be anybody else because you're you. And on your best day, you will be the second best of anybody else that you're trying to be. But on your worst day, you are the best you that's ever been on the face of this earth. So just be you. Where you are, who you are, and then finally, the passions that you have. Where have you placed me? What have you given me? And how have you wired me? What gets you excited? Some of the greatest mission, not, they're all great, but some of the mission partners that we have here at Lutheran Church of Hope are people who reached out and said, hey, we really think that hope should do this. And you want to know what we said? Okay, do it. Because if God's placed that on your heart, we believe that God's placed that on your heart, and we're going to do everything we can to be your cheerleader as you do that. I think about Meals from the Heartland, an organization that's sent food around the world. It was a group of people that dared to believe that God could use their passion to, 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 to feed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, millions of people. I mean, you can use your gifts and you can have passions to, to serve around here at the church. And if that's what your desire is, we'd love to have you. If you love to work with children, get involved with Hope Kids. If you love to work with uh, middle school students, God bless you. No, uh, get involved with Power Life. High school, young adults, adults. If, if you love to walk alongside people who are going through different, get involved with our care ministry. If you love technical things, get involved with our production. It's one of the greatest teams that we have here at church. If you have a heart for missions, let us know. We'll get you plugged into one of our mission partners. But if God's placed something on your heart and you say, I don't know where to use it, I want to give you my email. It's jeremy.johnson at hopewdm.org. Say, hey, Jeremy, this is what I've just always, I feel like God's placed this at org. Say, hey, Jeremy, this is what I've just always, I feel like God's placed this on my heart and I've never known what to do with it and so I'm going to send you this. Please do dream that God's placed on your heart. Because church isn't what we do. Church is what we all do. And God's placed you where he's placed you on purpose. 
for a purpose. He's given you gifts on purpose for a purpose. And he's given you a passion on purpose for a purpose. And when we start to do it, it's not just the world that gets better. It's our lives as well. One of my favorite parts about this documentary is for, for most of the documentary, it's all these people that are making Miles' wish come true. And then at the end of the documentary, all of a sudden you see people's response to what happened in them when they started to give of themselves. And where they were giving life, they were finding life. Just the way that Jesus described it. Take a look. Okay, let's go. Oh no, it's Bat Kid! Oh no! Okay, let's go. This kid was walking up these stairs. I pictured it and facing his demon and fighting him until the end. We're almost there. You got it. Oh, oh, it oh no! Let's oh, get him! I hope you like traps! Let's go! You've done this! Over here! Ready? You can rescue. And you! So much bigger than I could have ever imagined. So much more love. Yeah. Afterward, at the end of the day, we got together for a little after party. And then Miles and his family showed up. By that time, I had actually pulled the mask off. And I was a little concerned about, you know, he sees that the crotch is Batman. So I just said, uh, I bet no one would suspect that the acrobat coach is actually, and he said, you're right. And uh, he told me one time that, that Bruce Wayne is for the movies, EJ's Batman. That's when I became Batman. Was it fun? Yep. For the rest of our lives, whatever happens, there'll be good stuff, there'll be bad stuff, we will have that day. We're a church that's on a mission because we have a God who's on a mission. And his mission is for people. That people would know how much God loves them. That we would have our hearts break for the things that would know how much God loves them. That we would have our hearts break for the things that break God's heart. That's the center of the gospel. God loved the world so much, he gave his son. We had a need, he met the need. 
We don't have to be anybody else to do it. We just have to have a heart that beats after the things that God's heart beats for. It's in this parable where the, 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 the king, the Lord, says, it was when I was hungry and when I was thirsty and when I was naked and when I was homeless and when I was hurting and sick. It was when I was hungry and when I was thirsty and when I was naked and when I was homeless and when I was hurting and sick. And people said, well, when, when did we ever... It's what you did to the least of the people in my kingdom. Because they're mine. You did unto me. And that's the way that we look at the world that we inhabit with one another. Habit with one another. They're God's people. We're God's people. And so we live our lives on a mission. Jesus Christ to the world around us. I mean, think about things that Jesus said, the thing that Jesus said right before he died, John chapter 15. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other. The same way that I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay your life down, to give your life to the ones who are in need. That's what Jesus did. And so as we share this meal with one another, it's not a solemn meal, it's a celebratory meal that fuels us and sends us to do the good work that God has placed before us. So I'm going to hand it over to our campuses, but here in West Des Moines, I invite you to take your communion uh, out, your communion uh, cups out. And you can just hold on to them for a minute. I'll say the words, and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll uh, eat the bread and drink the wine with one another. It was in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus, he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he gave it for them all to eat. And he said, this is my body, and it's given for you. Take it, eat it, and do it to remember me. In the same way, after they had eaten, he took the cup of wine, and after giving thanks, he gave it for them all to drink. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, and it's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sins. Take it and drink it and do it to remember me. So would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to take the wafer. This is the body of Christ, and it's given for you. I invite you to take the grape juice, or the wine, or whatever it is that you have at home. And this is the blood of Christ, and it's shed for you. And that's a truth that you can build. And that's a truth that you can build your life on. So receive this blessing. And please stand as we do this. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, may it strengthen you and keep you in his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's worship. Prayer partners will be available. We'd love to pray with you and for you. Then we'll go, not home, but go to love the world. Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's worship. Prayer partners will be available. We'd love to pray with you and for you. Then we'll go, not home, but go to love the world. Amen.